PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey guys and gals, Happy New Year. How in the hell are you guys doing? Welcome into another edition, another year that's right, we're starting out this episode one of 2022 right now, and guess what? 2022 KX450SR versus the Yamaha YZ450F. A lot of you guys out there have been, uh, to put it politely, up my behind about the comparison between these two bikes. So what I did on my vacation is I simply brought these two bikes out to Mesquite Motocross Park uh, where the dirt is soft, the ruts are plentiful, and I spent two whole days over 80 laps on these bikes to break them down for you guys in a condition that we normally do not get out here on the West Coast. So we are here for the new year, 2022, going to break down both of these bikes and the positives and the negatives of each. And if you guys are wondering which one to buy, we're going to try to help you out right here, right now. But first, let's pay some bills Guess what? RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. You guys should be going over to KieferIncTesting.com right now, clicking on the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner, and that gives us a snippet of what you guys are purchasing and helps us out huge. So thank you guys for doing that in 2021 and continuing to do that this year in 2022. Excited to be back on with Rocky Mountain. Big things coming from those guys. And if you guys haven't checked out their YouTube channel, do that as well. They got a lot of information there, fun stuff, uh, fun series that my son was a part of about the Glen Helen 24-hour bike builds. Just a lot of cool different things and content over there from Rocky Mountain. Uh, Go to fxrracing.com, use the code KKMX35, Gear is in stock. Get some new Revo helium gear, and I can't wait for Anaheim to come around, which is just around the corner, folks. We're right there. There's going to be an LE, actually several LEs that will be available from FXR. Can't wait for you guys to see that. And, yes, there is a white version that's real sexy. It's a little white and gold. I'm not usually a gold kind of guy, but this really goes well. So FXR has outdone themselves for this new LE line that's coming out. But go visit them right now, fxrracing.com. Use that code to save some money. And if you're a lady that loves to ride and you want to get a better code, email me. You guys know the email. And I will get you a little bit better code because we got to take care of our ladies out there that ride dirt bikes. And, of course, Racetech, they're back on board for 2022. Get your engine suspension done over at Racetech. A lot of the guys you're going to see in Anaheim 1 are going to be using engine and Suspension specs from Racetech, Racetech.com, and you can use the email, sales at Racetech.com. Use the code word Kiefer, and that'll save you 10% on what you guys are purchasing. And as always, if you have any questions about my advertisers, I'm happy to help. Let's run these guys down for 2022. couple newbies, LitPro. If you guys want to listen to these commercials, I'll tell you a little bit more about LitPro, but Aiden and I have been using this device 
uh, for about a year now, and it's really helped us elevate our game. Uh, it gives me the knowledge of where Aiden needs to improve, where I need to improve. We're still very competitive with, with each other. Although I do think this year in 2022, my days are numbered. Uh, he is uh, faster than me half of the time at the tracks now. So that means it's doomsday for me. But LitPro is helping me uh, helping me along with that. And you can go visit those guys at LitProLive.com. And another newbie for 2022, Decal Works. You guys want to get some graphics done up, or if you want some Kiefer Ink graphics, because that is available as well, you can email me, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com, and I will get you in touch with those guys and get you a discount on some new graphics, because they got all different kinds that do a great job. So thank you, Blood Lubricants, Plum Creek Funding, Dunlop, ScreenPrintingDone.com, 6D Helmets, Pro Taper, Handlebars, Ride Engineering, Works Connection, and, of course, Power Motorsports, if you guys want a KTM, Kawasaki, and uh, or a Yamaha, and you guys want to get a new a new deal. That's right, a new deal on a Yamaha or SR. You can go to Power Motorsports, email David Sibley, or just get with me, and I will get you in contact with him. All right, guys, I know some of you guys bitch about me. Ah, it's five minutes in, no show yet. I got to help these guys out. They sponsored the show. You're not getting charged for this episode. There's a lot of talk about who should be charging what for podcasts nowadays, but we're going to continue to do a free show all everything I do is free. If you guys want information, you can email me. It's free. Uh, you guys want to go to my website? It's free, which is getting updated. Hallelujah! Swisscore is going to update my website. We're going to a new new uh, layout, so that'll be detailed in 2022. Our shop area is going to be cleaned up. Thank you, Swisscore, for coming to save the day on this. God bless America. I'm going to have an updated website because we have outgrown. Uh, the site that we're on right now. It's been four years, what, 18, 19, 20? No, five years since we started Kiefer Inc. and I left Dirt Rider, and uh, it's that time. They said about every five years you're going to have to update things, so sounds about right. And uh, so, yeah, so new year, new beginnings. As you guys can tell, I am a little sick. Uh, nothing like getting on vacation and getting sick, right? God dang, dude. So uh, a little quick backstory here. Uh, I want to take two weeks off. Unplug a little bit, not answer emails. If you guys uh, did email me through the holidays and I didn't get back to you, try me again uh, now because my vacation settings are turned off and I will have some time to do that. But, uh, <laughs> what, three days into this vacation and I'm sick, I get right home from Mesquite. Maybe I just went too damn hard because the conditions were so damn good and this test was so damn fun to do that I end up getting sick. I'm getting old and uh, I think my, my brain is still wired to be 21 years old and uh, over 80 laps uh, got me run down. So I uh, didn't, uh, didn't get the COVID, didn't get that Omicron that's out there. I wouldn't got tested. That was negative. Just got a good old-fashioned sickness. And uh, that's where we're at now. So if my voice is a little bit hoarse, sounds like dog shit, I apologize. Uh, we'll get through this episode and get better on the next one. All right. So if you guys listened to maybe two episodes ago, we did a whole rundown on the KX450 Special Racer Edition, and that is new to Kawasaki this year. Uh, we tested it only one day, but I managed to get the bike, snuck it out of Kawasaki's back door in Irvine, California for a couple weeks. Hopefully these guys aren't pissed off that I snuck it out. Uh, but either way, I wanted to compare it to the Yamaha because there's a lot of similarities within this these two bikes. Obviously, Kawasaki SR going to KYB suspension, and that is probably one of the most... 
I would say, lucrative things about this machine if you're a purchaser. you know, There's nothing wrong with a Showa set of suspension, but it just never quite feels the same as a KYB setup. You guys don't know, haven't tried both of them back-to-back. KYB has a little bit more movement, more comfort, and in the episode that we talked about, uh, about the SR stuff, I was surprised of how slow-moving this KYB stuff was um, on the Cowie and how much dampening, dampening, damping, I say this wrong sometimes, but I'm sick, so bear with me. How much damping it has, because usually on the Yamaha stuff, it moves more in the stroke, it picks up all that small stuff, and the 22YZ has even gone in the direction of moving a little bit less, getting a little firmer feel, so maybe a little bit less comfort. Uh, We'll talk about the YZ and some settings. Uh, But I think that was the biggest change uh, that I could think if I was a Kawasaki guy and I wanted to buy a new 450, is that would draw me in, just the KYB stuff alone. Um, you guys meant, um, made a heard that when I was talking about the, the SR, that with this KYB setup, it makes the bike feel a little bit shorter feeling and actually can corner a little bit better for me. Uh, this test that I did in Mesquite uh, really helped that theory along. And especially having the Yamaha doing this thing back-to-back really helped me figure all of this out. So right away, I got on the track and hopped on the Yamaha because I'm more familiar with that bike. Um, A little bit of background for you guys that may be new to this podcast or just think I'm full of shit and that I just blow Yamaha all the time. Uh, Yes, I will be the first to admit that Yamaha YZ450F is my favorite machine. Nothing to do with the people there, nothing to do with Travis, nothing to do with anything besides the bike itself is everything, not everything, a lot of the things I look for in a motorcycle. It has a good snappy engine, it has great suspension stock, it's planted feeling, and it doesn't corner the best in class. I don't look for the bike that corners the best in class because I want a bike that's a little bit more stable, hence why I like the Kawasaki at times because it's stable and it has comfort. So although you guys may see on my Instagram on, on my own time or even a lot of times I do a lot of testing with KYB in general, so we do that on the Yamaha, I have a lot of time on the Yamaha. So I went out, broke in the track at Mesquite and did that on the YZ450F. Uh, Mesquite is very soft dirt for you East Coasters listening to this podcast you wouldn't think a track in the middle of the fucking desert would have soft dirt. Uh, Gary Bruff, his son Riley, they do a lot of work at this facility. They own several tracks uh, in Utah and Idaho, and they run a great series, RMX series. If you guys aren't familiar with it and you're in that area, you might want to check it out. It's a really cool series, run really well. And the dirt is amazing. You have ruts leading into the corner. You have the rut all the way through the corner. Then you have the the rut almost all the way down the straightaway. This is how good the conditions are. And I think that helped it along with some weather that we had. We had some rain come through the week before. So the dirt was just super grabby, super heavy, uh, clumps of dirt up into my counter shafts. I mean, just everything that you expect from East Coast conditions, what we have for these two days of testing. So after we broke in the track, got on the Kawasaki, rode a few laps, took some notes down. So this went back and forth over the course of two days. Again, 80 laps. I would say it was uh, 60-40 between the Yamaha and the Kawasaki in laps. Uh, Did some clicker settings and really honed in on what the differences are between each bike. So right away, 
I'm going to start with the easiest portion of this podcast is the engines comparison. Uh, the Kawasaki has snap like a Yamaha down on very, very low RPM. So if I say crack of the throttle, that is a low RPM situation. And if you guys are listening to these podcasts or you see these other tests in other magazines when they talk about low, mid, high RPM response, this is not the same as bottom, mid to top end feel. RPM response is the crack of the throttle at anywhere in the RPM range. So when I'm speaking low RPM, I'm talking uh, 6,000, 5,000 RPM below is that crack. It, the Kawasaki has a very exciting feel. Um, with the Pro Circuit exhaust, I would say it has a little bit less of that exciting feel, which to me is a good thing because the Kawasaki hits really hard on low RPM and then has this dip where it just has this smooth, linear bottom to mid-range pull. And then once you're in the mid-range, that mid-RPM response is very dull and not very noticeable. It's just that crack, low-RPM throttle opening is where this SR goes, wow, really exciting. And then it transfers into the seamless, long pulling power, which is very nice, very easy, very user-friendly uh, when you're riding any kind of tracks. Uh, there are other tracks there at Mesquite we rode around on, and it's hard pack. Uh, the Kawasaki loves that type of dirt as well. And I was expecting to not like the Kawasaki SR as much because it was just more of a linear feel. Unlike the Yamaha when I got on Mesquite, it has an exciting um, character, a low-end character. And it continues that excitement through the bottom to mid-range pulling power. It's just a lot of bike if you're not ready to handle it. So what we did to kind of have a factory edition Yamahas, we installed a Kropovich muffler which I feel like is the best production muffler there is for this bike as of right now. I have other mufflers that I've tried, but wasn't a production spec. Uh, this Akrapovich mellows out the low end on the Yamaha, okay? So you don't have all that gnarliness coming off of the bottom, which to me, you kind of tune out anyway with a TP3 map or a good controlled map that is up on my site. So this Akrapovich kind of does that. So if you want to go back to all zeros on your Yamaha Power Tuner map and then install this Akrapovich muffler, it's a very nice blend of easy-to-control low-end power and then it gives you a longer linear power, almost like a Kawasaki SR. So we installed that. Obviously, it has KYB suspension. Um, I did bring out a Vortex just to tune it, and I will talk to you about that, but we have a stock ECU to make it apples-to-apples comparison. Um, I feel like the Kawasaki has a little bit of an advantage because it has a, a polished head, and this Yamaha didn't, which that is the only difference in a factory edition or SR versus this Yamaha. I feel like I can still get a lot of information just with a stock head. I didn't need to polish this YZ450F head because in all actuality, people... When you start building a YZ450F, it actually gets worse. Uh, this is one of the things that I found out the hard way. Uh, it's very, I'm giving you an example. The GYTR kit is really nice for power. If you're a bigger dude, if you're racing GPs, if you're racing desert races, I would love to have that whole GYTR engine kit. But to get controlled power, to make this chassis work, to make the suspension work, it's just too much. Uh, 
I feel like having that power binds up the chassis or the suspension, and it makes it handle worse than um, just with an Akrapovich muffler and a Vortex ECU. So this is mostly what I always run when I race. It's just an ECU, uh, an Akrapovich muffler, or you know, an aftermarket muffler in general, and then suspension. Enzo has done my suspension in the past, and they have good settings. So I stick with that, and that's the happy medium on a, on a YZ450F. But with this test, we left the stock suspension on, 22 base setting, and then went out, like I said, and, and compared. And after my initial impressions, I would say I respect uh, the Kawasaki SR engine a lot more now, now that I went back-to-back versus the Yamaha. Uh, initial feelings on the YZ was like, oh, man, I feel faster uh, because it has more excitement. I can get in and out of this rut a little bit better. I have to ride the Kawasaki 450SR a little bit higher up in the RPMs than I do the Yamaha. I can lug a Yamaha more than the Kawasaki. But as I looked at my lap times through the Lip Pro device that I have, which is a very, very friendly device to use when you're doing comparison testings like testing like this, uh, I was faster on the Kawasaki in, an, in, an, in a seven-lap moto. I had the fastest lap time on a Kawasaki, and I was like, wow, can't believe that. Like, what the what the hell? You know? So I uh, didn't believe it. Went back out and found out that it did the same thing. And only thing that I can come to terms with why this is happening is because it was easier to manage inside the ruts. Uh, the roll-on power was easy, even though I felt like I was getting in and out faster on the Yamaha because it had more excitement, more pop. Uh, I was actually making more traction on the Kawasaki 450SR versus the Yamaha YZ450F. So right away, the engine was the easiest thing to diagnose for me. And once I saw the lap times, I kind of had to have more respect for the Kawasaki just because, you know, just because we feel as riders that something is exciting underneath us doesn't mean that we are faster on it. Uh, if you are a racer or if you're a local guy that likes to go race, the Lipro device is something that is important to figure out if the direction you're going is the right way. And I've been a test rider for many years, and sometimes uh, my feeling is wrong. I'm, you know, I always talk to you guys about I'm a big feeling guy versus a dyno type of person. Um, but that feeling isn't always 100% accurate, and you do need some type of data you know, Dino or this Lipro device to kind of help your feeling along. So um, interesting to note that the Kawasaki's engine was a little bit better on the lap time sheet. I had more fun on the Yamaha, quite frankly, in the engine area. So if you guys are worried about uh, what the fun factor is, there's nothing uh, that I can say that is more fun to ride than a YZ450F's uh, engine character. Only thing that comes to mind is a KTM 450 SXF with some motor work and an ECU and a pipe. I raced a KTM 450 SXF with a Vortex ECU, that pipe, Jamie's from Twisted Development's exhaust flange, and that was probably some of the most fun I've had on a bike. But uh, from a production standpoint, the YZ450F's engine is very fun to ride. And for me, uh, that excitement makes me want to go ride. The Kawasaki's engine carrier doesn't necessarily make me want to ride unless I see that data and I'm faster on it. Then it makes me want to ride it more because I can actually see that I'm faster and then 
I still care about that at age 45. I still care about what bike I'm faster on <laughs> uh, because if I want to go race, I want to be on what I'm the fastest on and give me the best chance to win. So uh, the engine was better suited for me at Mesquite. Now, moving on the chassis. Uh, <clears throat> I'm still going to say that the Yamaha YZ450F corners better. When I get on a Yamaha, I feel like the bike is shorter overall. The Kawasaki still feels long in the grand scheme of things versus the Yamaha. It does feel shorter uh, than the standard KX450, even though dimensions on paper are no different. I'm just saying that chassis with the KYB suspension makes that bike dip in and out of corners easier for me, and that's what makes it feel shorter. If there was a track to actually make me feel like this bike is long, the Mesquite track would be it. There's a lot of 180s. Those 180s have huge ruts in them with hooks, and when you have a long bike and you have these ruts with hooks, uh, you can really tell what the corner instability is of this machine. I can get in and out of these corners and these hooks a lot easier uh, even though the Yamaha feels shorter, you would think, ah, having a longer bike, you would have a little bit more stability in the corner. But uh, I feel like I can get in and out of these hooks easier on the Yamaha because the front and rear wheel go in and out really quick, and I can get out of the rut fast. With the Kawasaki, my, rut, my front wheel goes into this hook, and then I am not ready for the rear wheel to kind of squish down into that hook and then snap back. This is where the Kawasaki feels long. I don't get that snap or that squish snapback on the Yamaha. I get a more planted, more damping feel on the YZ450F. The Kawasaki uh, shock feels a little bit more squishy. Uh, the rear end feels longer. And in those hooks, I just feel like it takes me a little bit longer to get out of. Now, when I broke down the segment times um, versus the Yamaha and the Kawasaki, in these areas that had these hooks... The segment times reflected that I was faster on the Yamaha. And when I talk about I was faster on the KX450SR overall, we're talking uh, less than a half a second. Uh, it was four-tenths or something like that. So it wasn't that much, but the clock is the clock, right? But in these segment times that Lip Pro breaks down for me on these tracks, those areas that are super rutted, I was faster in. I was faster on the Kawasaki when in in the area of the track that opened up a little bit more. So I feel like if the track was tighter, the Yamaha chassis is still a little bit more nimble feeling me because of that Yamaha power, that quick revving spool up. Wop, wop. I can get in and out of those areas quicker. Um, makes the bike feel lighter. And to me, the Yamaha does feel lighter than the KX450SR. Um, and I think that has something to do with the power as well. That linear SR power uh, doesn't make for a, a light-feeling machine. Uh, now, I will say, if there wasn't any hooks in these ruts and I had long sweeping, even if I had some square edge within these ruts, the Kawasaki's frame was excellent. Uh, it soaked up all the small imperfections inside these ruts, and Mesquite does have some rocks underneath the nice dirt that will start popping up, and I feel less of that with the Kawasaki than I do the Yamaha. But I will take that light feeling uh, lean in and exit on the Yamaha over the Kawasaki just because I can get in and out faster. And I will deal with the little bit firmer feel that I do get from the shock, which we will talk about here in a minute, on the Yamaha just because I can get in and out of the corner. 
Um, straight line stability on the chassis. Kawasaki still reigns supreme. Like I said, when the track opens up or if I have long straightaway ruts, I can get on the toes or on the balls of my feet on these pegs and the Kawasaki stays straight and true where I do get a little bit of a wiggle uh, on the Yamaha YZ450F. It's not horrible. To me, it's still one of the top. These two bikes are the best in class when there's long straight ruts, staying planted within those ruts. These two bikes are the best. I would say Kawasaki still gets the nod a little bit to remain planted feeling uh, in those long ruts. Again, I think because of the engine character, it does help that along. Uh, now, moving on the suspension, how close are we to this suspension? No matter what you think, it's a KYB to KYB. <clears throat> is it virtually the same fork? It's very similar, yes. Um, I do think, and this is maybe minute for you guys out there, but when KYB decided to do to do this and Kawasaki, it's it's a really unique situation. Um, obviously because KYB comes on 250, Showa comes on the 450, and having KYB uh, little trinkets on there like the, the high-speed adjusters green, the shock body is a little bit different color, getting the Kashima coating on the forks, like that's a huge deal for Kawasaki to get KYB to do that. I'm surprised that even happened because there's a lot of hoops and hurdles to get to make that happen. I've been in the process of production testing, and holy shit, man, you would think, hey, man, let's put some coatings on a fork. Okay, no problem, right? No, it's a big problem. Product planning, uh, getting with Japan to do all these things, it's a nightmare. So having all of this go through on a Japanese-based bike through KYB is a big deal. Showa's done it, and I think Showa has a closer relationship uh, on some of these manufacturers than KYB does, so I think it's a little bit easier for them, but... Uh, I thought it was really cool to see just little things like those green anodized parts on the shock. Like, that's just, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for KYB anyway. So, um, the <laughs> this is tough for me because this I, I used this part last because this was very hard to dissect. I'm going to say this. <clears throat> I'm going to break it down to make it easy for you guys and, and fun to listen to. If I had to pick a shock, I would pick the Kawasaki shock. If I had to pick a fork, I'd pick the Yamaha fork, okay? But on which bike, which we will talk about in a minute. The shock on the Kawasaki has more comfort than the setting on the YZ450F. I do think Yamaha went too stiff on the shock setting for 22 on the Yamaha. Acceleration chop, getting that bike to squat is, is tough, and I know Yamaha's goal was to prevent squatting or a lot of squat acceleration coming out of corner, but I think you might have went too far, Yamaha. Um, it's harsh coming out of corners when I got these bumps coming out of corners. Um, the square edge, all those imperfections that I talk about, I get less traction on the Yamaha than I do the Kawasaki. The Kawasaki shock soaks up the small shit inside the rut and off-throttle bumps, diesel bumps, braking bumps, um, better than the Yamaha. I, I feel like the Yamaha shock overpowers the fork a little bit. So I try to back off that high-speed compression a little bit on the Yamaha, and that does help. Uh, but the Kawasaki shock, I didn't really have to fuck with at all. Um, it was very nice. I lived the Saga at 104, and it had a lot of comfort. Now, I will say the fork on the Kawasaki dives more than the KYB on the Yamaha, which makes me like coming into the corner harder more on the YZ450F. So I needed a blend of each of these bike suspension 
to make an ultimate machine. Uh, it'd be, I'd be curious to see the valving spec within the Kawasaki shock versus the valving spec uh, within the Yamaha shock. I would really like to dissect that, and I may do that just for a little side test, um, just for my peace of mind, because I do feel like there's a firm valving stack within that Yamaha, and then that lighter stack is inside that Cowie. And for me, I'm 170, well, holiday weight, I'm 175 now. I'm a fat ass. Um, now I've been sick. Now I've been going down in weight. But uh, 170 to 190 type of guy is going to appreciate the Kawasaki shock more because of the comfort. And then that same guy, 170 to 190, is going to appreciate that off-throttle sensation uh, on the Yamaha fork because it has less dive and better holdup, but yet still has a lot of comfort. And I will say this about the Kawasaki. Even though it does dive a little bit, and I've gone a little bit firmer on the compression, there's still a lot of comfort within the fork. There's still a lot of dampening feeling for a Kawasaki front end. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, if you're comparing it to a Showa fork, Show a fork feels empty, and then you stiffen it up, and then it gets a little firmer, and it gets better, but then the performance kind of goes down. The comfort kind of goes down, right? Well, this KYB fork, I'm like, eh, it's diving. I turn that compression in a little bit, and the, the performance goes up, and the comfort stays where it's at, and that's what you want out of suspension. You want those two components, those key components, performance and comfort, to kind of come up evenly, which is what we want, but it's very difficult to do in testing situations when i'm rd uh at honda and we want some production settings that has a lot of performance and a lot of comfort that's it's a it's a it's a tricky web to weave let me tell you it's not easy to get and all the suspension techs listening to this can just nod in their heads going yep tough because we want it all as riders we want comfort we want hold up we want performance that's uh, not the real world that's like instagram world right it's not real so um I still like the Yamaha fork a little bit better. More performance, good comfort. Uh, performance is great on the Kawasaki Shock. Comfort is great. So that's where I'm at between these bikes. Uh, now, let's break down some specs really quick. On the Kawasaki, you guys have some pen, pen and a paper, and you guys are getting ready. You want to write down these settings. Uh, fork height is 3 millimeter. Compression, 10 out. Rebound, 10 out. So again, fork height, 3 millimeters. C10, R10, SAG 104, compression at 8, rebound 11, high-speed comp 1 and 1 quarter. All right, I'm going to move on to the Yamaha setting now, so if you guys are ready for that. Fork height, 4 millimeter, compression 10 clicks out, rebound 8, SAG 104, low-speed comp 10 clicks out, high-speed compression 1 turn out. All right, if you guys can even go, if you guys still feel like it's stiff, on the shock on the Yamaha, you can even go to three-quarters of a turnout, okay? And I'm sorry, not three-quarters of a turn. You can go one and one-quarters of a turnout. And then if you want to make it a little bit stiffer, heavier guys, you can go to three-quarters of a turn. But I stuck with one turnout, and that helped uh, a little bit of acceleration traction, give me some more rear-wheel feel. Um, so the high speed is the tricky thing on the YZ450F shock. So try high speed one turn out. If you need to go softer, uh, you can go one and one quarter turn out. Rebound 13, I opened that up to kind of make that wheel fall the ground better on the Yamaha, and that's where we were at when we left Mesquite. Those are the settings. I think those are great settings for not only the West Coast side, but the East Coast side of things because I got some of that dirt there when I tested. 
Follow that. If you guys need those settings, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. I'll smash them to you really quick, and you can try it, and I think that will be a crowd-pleasing setting for both of these bikes. All right, thanks for joining me on the first show of 2022. Listen to these commercials, some new ones in here. Save yourself some money. ScreenPrintingDone.com T-shirts! Get your sassy T-shirts! Yeah! Good morning. We didn't catch your name last night. ScreenPrintingDone.com I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a Chuck E. Cheese. I need that shirt. Where'd you get that shirt? ScreenPrintingDone.com Let's get into this T-shirt. It's a cute top. Where'd you get that shirt? ScreenPrintingDone.com That does sound awesome. I see things no one should ever see. I got a pretty dope sense of humor, bro. (laughs) ScreenPrintingDone.com Hey, Kiefer, what oil should I run? What weight should I run? Lots of emails coming in about oil. You know what I choose? Bloodlubricants.com 1040 Pro Series Synthetic Oil. If you guys haven't run Blood Lubricants Synthetics, you should try it. Email Jeff over there at Blood Lubricants, info at bloodlubricants.com. Mention the code Kiefer. Get 25% off a case of oil. I run the 1040 Pro Series in all of my test bikes here. It works great. Keeps the engine cooler as well. Clutch life is enhanced and longer. I go through clutches on that Yamaha YZ450F every 10 hours. Now I can go 15 hours. So great oil. Email Jeff over there. Use the code. Save yourself some money. Email me, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. If you have any questions about the oil, I'm happy to help. Ride-Engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, uh, brake calipers. Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts. I mean, I help him as well. But he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. So go check him out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there tweaking on handlebars and grips? Trust me, I do it almost daily. If you're looking for a strong bar but yet has a lot of flex, look no further than the Pro Taper Evo bar. It is my favorite bar out there on the market right now. Why? They have great bends. The bar flexes. I don't get vibration from the bar. I'm getting older. I want some flex in my bar, but yet I want it to be strong. And Pro Taper has the strongest and the lightest bar out there. That actually flexes. So go check them out, protaper.com. I'm currently using uh, SX Race Bend on my Yamahas. There is a brand new bend that's just coming out right now. You guys should see that. It is called Race Team Bend, and that is what we use over on Aiden's KTM and my KTM here uh, in the shop. So protaper.com, they have race cut grips, they have sprockets, they have chains, all different kinds of things. Go check them out, protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685.
you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, Chris, at KeeperInkTesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris, hit him up. You guys looking to purchase a new or used KTM, Yamaha, or Kawasaki? Well, look no further. Power Motorsports and Sublimity, Oregon is the place to go. Email me, chris at kieferinktesting.com. I will get you in contact with David Sibley over there at Power Motorsports, and he will get you the best deal possible. I'm not kidding, man. Like These guys work wonders over there at Power Motorsports. They will give the best deals to all of my Kiefer Inc. testing listeners. No hassle, no BS, easy to finance, easy to get a bike. And, hey, it doesn't matter if you live in Oregon, California, Maine, Florida. They will find a way to get you your bike. That's right. They work with moto shippers. Easy to get around, easy to ship. Man, it works so easy. I've bought three motorcycles from them over at Power Motorsports, and moto shippers have shipped them to me, to my door. It's so easy to do. So go visit them, powermotorsports.com. Email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I will get you in contact with them. Yeah, you guys know that time punishes you if you're not on top of your game. Look, I'm a competitive guy at 45. My kid is 15, and he is right on me every time we go out to the track. But you know what? You know what takes the guesswork out of who's the king for the day, who gets to talk trash on the way home? That's right. You can measure your lap times. You can reach your full potential. And, of course, you'll never guess where you're gaining or losing time. Go to litprolive.com. You can email me, chris at kieferinktesting.com for a discount code on one of their GPS receivers. Getting started is super easy with LitPro. Pick a GPS receiver, download the app, and add a subscription, and then you're on your way to improve your lap times. Get a better result as your, you know, than your buddy. That's right, because there's nothing better than bragging rights when you're on your way home. You throw your guy a text. Who got the best of you, baby? That's right, I did. And you want to know how to do it? Lip Pro. Aiden and I have been on this for about a year now. Super easy to use. Look, I am not a tech-savvy guy, and Lip Pro is super easy for me and Aiden to navigate, and uh, I think it would be a great benefit to you guys out there. So hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. Go to Lip Pro Live. You guys want to see anything related to how to keep time how to improve your lap times, what section you want to improve on, all those things and more over on LipProLive.com. All right, we're back. Here we go. KX450SR versus YZ450F. Now, what would I take, Kiefer? What would you take? <laughs> this is the question. Look, <clears throat> it's tough for me to go as fast, as long on a KX450 than I can on a YZ450F. Why? Uh, plain and simple, I'm going to be real with you guys, probably because I'm used to the Yamaha. But I feel like I can get more aggressive with the YZ450 than I can the, the KX450. The KX450 SR is a crowd-pleasing machine for the guys that are smooth, like a linear power. I just prefer more of exciting power. Some of that exciting power you would think I don't want when I'm tired, but that's the opposite. I think I want some of that excitement when I'm tired. That way I can lug it. 
when I'm tired and I'm trying to go fast while I'm tired, because let's face it, that's the tricky part of racing. It's not if we're getting tired. We're all getting tired. We watch these guys Saturday night at Supercross. They're tired. Uh, 15 minutes in their main event, tired. But how can your bike perform and how can you ride that bike when you're tired? For me, I can lug the bike around, which makes me work less. If I could use a little bit more lugging ability on the KX450SR, I would go there in a heartbeat. The cornering, I can get used to that. That wouldn't be a big issue for me. I think with this KYB suspension, it puts this bike above the KTM 450 for me right now just because of how nice it is to ride. And I do have some excitement now, and it's just, for me, a better planted motorcycle um, than a KTM. I just would prefer a bike with a little bit more excitement, which makes me lug it in third gear. I can't run third gear on this KX450SR. I tried going the Jody. I did the Jody, went a tooth up, and it's still, that's right, it's still not liking third gear lugability, and that's within the engine. Um, what's what's cool about the YZ450F, I guess, it, it's free-feeling, right? So that spool-up that we've talked about, the acceleration, when you rev it, it's really quick revving, uh, but when you when it revs down, it's heavier feel. It, it, it does have some engine braking. The KX450SR doesn't have as much engine braking, which is good, but also that lugability comes from some of that heavy feeling on D-cell, right? So I like the fact that on D-cell, it's a little bit heavier, and I can lug it, and it won't, you know, stall out. I did have the SR stall on me a couple times um, in corners when I did get tired, and uh, it didn't take very long for me to get tired at Mesquite because it's a very tricky track. And, uh, yeah, so that's the, one of the reasons why I think I still like a YZ450 in the long term of things because it's easier to ride for me in a 20-minute moto, and that's what I'm doing. I like to go ride long motos. If you guys are short moto dudes, you guys three, four, five laps, and you're done, then a KX450SR might be the right for you. And if you're a Kawasaki guy coming off of a 22 or a 21, it's unbelievable how much better the SR is. Now, is the SR better at fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars? Ah, man, it's it's. I'm gonna say no. I would still just get a standard edition Cowie. But if you can afford that, it this is definitely worth it. You're getting that engine that's better than the stock KX. The suspension is better than the Showa stuff, plain and simple. And you're getting a pipe, which helps that engine kind of broaden out a little bit and it lessens that jerky feeling that the stock kx has so there's a lot of pluses within the sr i just don't know if it's marked up five grand worth you know especially in today's market it's so heavy on msrp right now it's insane what they're getting i'm getting these emails saying oh there's one for eighteen thousand dollars i'm like holy shit man like i'm not paying 18 grand for a dirt bike I would try to go buy some KYB suspension at Technical Touch and put that on my, my KX and try to make it a replica and possibly saving myself some money if that's what it was. But if you can get a, a, an SR for twelve grand, totally worth it for me. Twelve nine, in I'm in. That's no problem. Like for me, that's worth it because you got the suspension's gonna be over five grand anyway if you bought it. Or right around there. Probably over that. Uh, a pipe's a thousand bucks. You got clamps that I haven't mentioned yet, extra clamps, which I feel like help um, 
the lean in on this bike. <laughs> Crazy to me to think I was thinking I was going to get some rigidity out of those clamps. I did not get any rigidity feeling at all, which is a huge plus because I've tried X-Trigs on a Yamaha, and it, it gets rigid. Again, the more shit you do to the Yamaha, the worse it gets for whatever reason, and it's a mystery to me. But I tried to build some more on the Yamaha, and I just don't get the comfort. But with this Kawasaki, you're getting comfort and you're adding parts, which is nice to have, which that's the way it should be, right? Uh, so for me, 12.99, I'm in there. I think it's worth it. Uh, again, long-term for me, racing, going to go race, I'm still a YZ450F guy. Now, especially when I stick a Vortex on a YZ450F, that is huge. That broadens the power, gives it more over-rev. I can be even lazier. And it really smooths out that, that YZ hit, similar to a, a Kawasaki. But yet, I can still be lazy and ride it in third gear everywhere I want. So, uh, adding a Vortex ECU and the maps that I've come up with with Chad at XPR, ugh, it's a game changer for me. And, and it helps the bike. It helps the chassis. It helps the suspension. It's kind of like a Honda. When you get a, a Vortex on a, on a new Honda, it changes the chassis. This is what this Vortex does within the Yamaha, and I did not want to put that on with this test because it wouldn't be apples to apples, but at the end of the day, when I did put this Vortex ECU back on my YZ and, and rounded out our two days there at Mesquite, I was like, holy shit. I was a second and a half faster with just that. So there is something to be said with a good ECU tune that really forms the whole machine, not just the engine. It forms the chassis. It forms the suspension. It, it makes the bike handle different. So... Uh, I haven't tried a Vortex ECU on this Kawasaki SR. I do have one here in the shop that I need to get mapped, and then I will do that, and then see what this does to the KX450 SR. So there's all these little intricacies, little parts that do make these bikes better. Unfortunately, it costs us money, right? And $1,000 for an ECU is not up someone's alley when they just spent $13,000 on a motorcycle. And I met quite a few happy SR customers out on the out on the track lately in the past I don't know, three weeks. Uh, I met three different guys. They're like, man, this is the best bike that I've owned. Uh, I'm going to sell my other Kawasaki because I, I love it. Uh, recently, my son just went to a Kawasaki from a KTM, although it's a 250. He says he can't believe how much traction and how planted the bike is. And when I watch him ride, he's moving around more on the bike. Uh, the bike seems to be straight. It doesn't do anything crazy. And that's a direct compliment to the Kawasaki guys of this this whole chassis. Uh, the 250 and the 450 share the same frame. Uh, it has a blend of, I would say, cornering and straight line stability. It's it's not the worst cornering machine. There is. I've had worse. Uh, but it's so stable that you can come into the corner and really predict where it's going to go. You might have to be a little bit more biased front wheel side. Um, if you are a front wheel guy, you might have to really try to help that along with clamps or offsets. Uh, but nonetheless, man, the Kawasaki 450SR, I was going to do my own internal shootout right now, and I'm combining factory editions with stock ones, which I think is another thing we should do with these shootouts. Let's just put all these things in there. Let's do the standard editions. Let's do the factory editions. Put them all in. Let's see where everything ranks. So my ranking would be a YZ450 for first, uh, Kawasaki Kicks 450SR for second, and third would be a KTM uh, 450SXF Standard Edition. The Kropovich on the KX450 slip-on on the factory edition kills 
the power on that bike. So that would be my top three. And that's something to be said because I've never been a huge Kawasaki guy. So this test kind of opened my eyes, especially with the lap times, and to make me want to work harder and, and do more things with this Kawasaki 450SR. So uh, very cool test. Hopefully that puts some of your questions to sleep. If you have any more questions about this test, as always, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. Trying to create these episodes with under an hour so you're not dragging these things on. But as you guys know, I like to tell backstories. I like to tell um, some things that happen within those tests and give you some light on what you normally wouldn't see from other media outlets. That's what we try to do here. I'm a normal dude. I'll cough in the mic. I might swear a little. Uh, so tell your buddies. You got a normal dude talking here that want to talk about dirt bikes. And uh, we got plenty of those in the shop for 2022. We're going to break down, diagnose, and yes, do a shootout. But these mini shootouts are really cool to do. Um, they're more detailed. Uh, having two bikes to test in one day is a lot easier than having six. And you can get some more information about that. Uh, last thing I want to mention about these two bikes I have here are the ergonomics. So Kawasaki wins that, no problem. Uh, Yamaha suffers from ergonomic problems. I do, and I did, uh, just for transparency reasons, I want you guys to know this. I have minus seven pegs, Raptor pegs, on the Yamaha that I tested. Uh, I already know that the ergonomics aren't as good on the on the Yamaha that they are on the Kawasaki. I like that the Kawasaki already has those foot peg options. If you guys want to go uh, five back, that is available to you on the Kawasaki. You have the bar mount positions that you can screw with on the X-Trig, which there's tons. So there's a lot more cockpit options on the Kawasaki than there is on the Yamaha. Uh, Yamaha needs a flatter seat. They don't need an inch. You guys out there, oh, should I get an inch uh, higher seat on the Yamaha? No. Uh, I'm six foot. Travis is six two, six three, And there is a three-quarter inch uh, taller seat, and there's a one-inch taller seat out there that's for sale. They need a half inch, and they need that half inch in the middle to that pocket of the Yamaha. That's all you need. And then it really helps you um, the transition from sitting to standing on this Yamaha. But until Yamaha fixes that pocket, uh, fixes their rider triangle, helps those pegs, drops those pegs, puts those things back, uh, ultimate position was minus seven down and minus five back. That's my go-to. So uh, I told the guys at Raptor to try to make some mounts, um, some peg mounts. Uh, I think those would sell in the Yamaha world because ergonomically we're all suffering, us Yamaha lovers. Uh, we're suffering in the ergonomic world. We're cramped. Uh, we look hunchbacked at times. So, uh, yeah, Kawasaki just has it done right. It feels like you're on a Honda. You're on top of the machine versus in it like you're on the Yamaha. And just hopping on the Kawasaki doesn't take as long to get used to as I did the Yamaha. When I rode the Kawasaki for a little while, then hopped back on the Yamaha, it took me a little while to get used to the Yamaha, even though I ride that thing a shit ton. Uh, when you ride a certain bike for 20, 30 minutes, you're like, oh, this is nice, thin. I can stand up. Oh, it's 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 kind of skinny in the middle and I don't got fat-looking shrouds, and then I hop in the Yamaha, and I'm in this pocket. I feel like it's fat in the middle. So I get what you guys are saying out there about it. It looks fat. It actually isn't when you measure it, but the looks are deceiving, right? So, yeah, I, I understand it now. I've been back and forth a few times uh, for a couple years, and I can understand your guys' frustrations on the Yamaha. So once I am on the Yamaha for 20 to 30 minutes, I am okay, but those first... 
a few minutes, I'm like, wow, totally different feel. So uh, almost KTM-like back in the day when you hop on a Yamaha. Where you used to hop on a KTM back in, uh, I don't know, 06, 07. You're like, oh, my God, this thing feels weird. And that's what the Yamaha kind of feels like now if you're coming off from a different color. So uh, those are just some of the little things that I uh, figured out on my vacation about these two bikes. So looking forward to putting more time on the SR. Uh, reliability so far has been a non-issue. Uh, and reliability. I know you guys are like, oh, keep you putting five hours on it. No, there's like 15 hours on it. Yes, still new. Uh, for me, I couldn't do that a few years ago on chain guides and chain sliders. Chain sliders, chain guides, still good. No bolts have been stripped. Seat nuts are still there. Uh, bike still looks pretty good. Doesn't look roached. Uh, Yamaha, you know, you can't mess with durability on the Yamaha. Things solid as they come. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to putting more time on the SR and getting some more modifications, some better settings, and just working more, a little bit harder for you Kawasaki guys out there. Now that I'm, Oh, hey, yeah, this is really nice. Like, I want to, it's like a new toy I want to play with more, right? So the SR, good job to the guys over at Kawasaki for introducing this, actually making it a better Kawasaki, not just smoke and mirror bike. Hey, it's a smoke and mirror factory edition. No one wants to spend four more thousand bucks for a graphic kit and some fucking, and a pipe. Like, this actually is better. It's legit. So kudos to the KYB guys, the Kawasaki guys, and hey, Yamaha, think it's time for you guys to step up. Let's make a uh, factory edition Yamaha YZ450. I know GYTR offers parts to do this, but why not make a machine? You've seen it. It's right here. Yes, you Yamaha guys right now, listen to this. Inside Cypress, California, listen to this right now. Make make and sell a factory edition. It will be bought. If you make it, they will buy. That's right. If you make it, they will buy brainwashing them. I'm helping them out. Make a factory edition YZ450F. It'd be awesome. I think the guys over there would make a very good bike. Change a little bit of things. Change some engine. Change, you know, prove me wrong. Like, I'm saying you're adding parts to the YZ and it gets worse. Prove me wrong. Make a better YZ450F than you guys make in stock form. Prove me wrong. Challenge accepted, Yamaha? Question mark? Uh-huh. I'm going to get an email like, hey, you give I can already see it. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me for the first episode of 2022. Hopefully, this new year is bringing you guys joy, health, happiness. I hope you guys had a great holiday. Didn't get too fat. Uh, I'm going to go take care of my sickness now and uh, go watch Cobra Kai with my family. That's what we do here. It's big weekend here over at the Kiefer household. Uh, Netflix, chill, you know, my Netflix and chill is nothing what you young guys are like. My Netflix and chill is actually watching Netflix for about an hour and a half and falling asleep with my hand down my shorts like Al Bundy. That's what my Netflix and chill is. And then my kid taking pictures of me or some shit. That's what our life is like here at the Kiefer household. <laughs> Thanks for supporting this show. Thanks for supporting the advertisers, uh, advertisers associated with the show. And, uh, yeah, man, just thank you for putting up with all my bullshit over the years and, and riding along with me. I've, as always, I'm here to help you guys. If you see me at a track, come go over and bullshit with me. Let's talk about these bikes. Uh, if you guys want to know more, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. That goes for anything. We have an open-door policy here. Look forward to meeting you guys this, this winter at Supercross. There'll be a lot. I made a lot of rounds this, uh, this winter at Supercross. 
and uh, hopefully has some big news. Hopefully be trying to qualify for another uh, outdoor national this year since Loretta seems to be kind of foobarred for me. They made uh, the 40 class and 45 class a sportsman class. Uh, so only classes I can ride at Loretta's is 25 or pro sport. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll just go race nationals. Be the same damn thing. Uh, so we might try that again. So, yeah, some goals happening for 2022. Uh my recommendation for you guys out there, set yourself a goal for this year. Try to obtain it. There's nothing wrong with setting goals, and if you don't make it, no problem. Let's reset those goals for 23. Uh, don't be afraid to fail out there, but set those goals high. Let's try to achieve them, and then reward yourself when you do achieve those goals. Um, I try to do that with my kid, all my test guys here. So again, set yourself a goal. Reach for the sky, people, and uh, it keeps you motivated. It keeps you hungry. And uh, always listen to some good content like this, Pulp MX, RacerXOnline.com. Check us out. I'm all over. We'll see you guys in the next episode.